Hi, it's Rabbi Jim Egolf. I want to thank you so much for joining me this week. Well, this week we're going to take a short glimpse at the Torah portion of the week, Vayikra, which begins the book of Leviticus, but then uh, we need to probably shift our direction and our conversation to other things that were very difficult in this past week. I would love to hear what you think after listening to this. You can always email me at ravjim at aol.com or you can call me on Skype at ravjim or if you're using the landline, 610-624-3441. I would love to hear from you. Um, Torah portion for the week begins with a word Vayikra. And at the end of Vayikra, there is an Aleph, which is a letter in Hebrew that makes no sound. However, the Aleph is written very small, and it seems to be unusual. According to the Hertz Chumash, this was a tradition that was done before there were ever spaces between letters, in order to be able to tell somebody where one letter, when one word ended and where another word began. Uh, but knowing where our boundaries are in our text is made much easier today because we have spaces between words. Well, boundaries uh, seem to be one of those things that would somewhat define how we've been looking at various conversations that happened. But first, I want to I want to return to a conversation that I heard that seemed to be very small at the time, like this olive in Vayikra, and seems to have blown up into the brouhaha that we saw this week. On January 10th of this year, a bizarre statement was made its way out of Washington, D.C. At this time, the special envoy to the Middle East from the United States government, former Senator George Mitchell, announced that perhaps the United States would begin to withhold loan guarantees in order to force Israel into a better negotiating posture. At the time, I was in Washington with our confirmation students on the Litakane program. Litakane is run by the Religious Action Center of the Reform Movement of Judaism, the Union for Reform Judaism, and it's a yearly experience we have with our 10th graders. As I approached the table where some of the staff from the Religious Action Center were sitting, I told them of the news report about Mitchell's comment. The immediate response could kind of be summed up as, well, sounds like he will be looking for a new job soon. Fast forward to what happened this week, and perhaps this was the warning that Israel missed at the time, indicating that the United States government was less than pleased with the actions of the Israeli government. This week, we saw a difficult set of news reports. In retrospect, we might have seen that the visit of Vice President Biden to Israel was important for a variety of reasons. Perhaps the reason we did not see is that our VP, known for putting his foot in his mouth, was unusually quiet and managed to stay on message and on task throughout the trip. When the announcement came that 1,600 new apartments were to be built in East Jerusalem, we saw the diplomatic equivalent of a sharp stick in the eye, which then resulted in the theatrics that played out in the press over this past week. As I see it, there are three major issues that are colliding in the papers this week. 
Some of them we knew about, others, however, emerged as great concerns. The first has to do with the role of Israel in the Middle East and the difficult interplay between what happens there and elsewhere. In Foreign Policy magazine, a report this week by General Mullins and Petraeus in January, it was reported that a, a report by General Mullins and Petraeus came out in January calling for Israel to see their issues with the Palestinians in a regional context beyond the Israeli focus on its own needs. The hope was that Israel would get the message through diplomacy that things needed to change. Israel didn't. This week, Foreign Policy magazine reported, but no one was more outraged than Biden, who, according to Israeli daily Yidiot Arhonot, engaged in a private and angry exchange with Israeli Prime Minister, with the Israeli Prime Minister. Quote, this is starting to get dangerous for us, unquote, Biden reportedly told Netanyahu. Quote, what you're doing here undermines the security of our troops who are fighting in Iraq, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. That endangers us and endangers regional peace, unquote. Yediot Okronot went on to report, quote, the vice president told his Israeli hosts that since many people in the Muslim world perceive a connection between Israel's action and U.S. policy, any decision about construction that undermines Palestinian rights in East Jerusalem could have an impact on the personal safety of American troops fighting against Islamic terrorism, unquote. The message couldn't be plainer. Israel's intransigence could cost American lives. The article went on to say there are important and powerful lobbies in America, the NRA, the AMA, the lawyers, and the Israeli lobby. But no lobby is as important or as powerful as the U.S. military. While commentators and pundits might reflect that Joe Biden's trip to Israel has forever shifted America's relationship with its earnest while ally in the region, the real break came in January when David Petraeus sent a briefing team to the Pentagon with a stark warning. America's relationship with Israel is important, but not as important as the lives of America's soldiers. Maybe Israel gets the message now. You can find a link to the rest of that article in the show notes. To have our own military joining in the conversation that Israel is weakening our country scares me. It begins to make me wonder if the relationship between Washington and Jerusalem is being undermined and possibly Israel is facing a foe or the relationship is facing a foe that even the best of lobbyists cannot defeat, that being the voice of our own military. We also have to couple this fear with other issues that came out this week in the Israeli press regarding the current makeup of the Knesset in Israel. The three big players who had a hand in the crisis this week were, in order of importance, in order of importance, Interior Minister Eli Ishai, you've probably never heard of him, Foreign Minister Avigdor Lieberman, probably heard of him, and third in importance, Bibi Netanyahu. Eli Ishai of the Shas party, would have been the source of the announcement during Biden's visit. His focus and his ministry center around the construction of new homes. He also leads a party that has built its reputation on assisting the poor in Israel and thus to advocate for 1,600 new homes would appeal to his constituents and he could care less about international relations. The second person in this mix is Avigdor Lieberman of Israel Beitenu who 
has done a pretty lousy job at creating a positive image for Israel around the world as foreign minister. He has done this while his party has pushed for legislation in the Knesset that renders reform and conservative conversions worthless. Finally, there's Bibi Netanyahu, of whom Tom Friedman quit, once quipped at the end of Bibi's last tenure as president. He said something to the effect, Bibi brought everything to a halt regarding the Palestinians. With Shas and Yisrael Beitenu as two of Bibi's three junior partners in the coalition, either party's concerns can trump Likud's desire, and because Bibi has managed to offend Kadima, he cannot reasonably assemble a coalition that would, number one, care about international issues, and two, be willing to move forward with something resembling determination. As a side note, it did not help this week when Bibi's brother-in-law called Obama an anti-Semite. Thank God that a Haaretz poll conducted this week found that Obama actually has a higher approval rating than Bibi does in Israel. Go figure. Again, the scary thing is that the demands once voiced solely by the Palestinians, that being halt construction in the territories, is now being echoed by Washington. Couple this with the reports from the generals, and the cause for concern grows larger. Now realize that all of this discord occurs while the threat from Iran continues unchecked, and we begin to find that the two to three existential issues that Israel had the luxury to face separately begin to coalesce and gain momentum. It goes like this. Housing is announced in East Jerusalem that will be affordable for lower-income families, or at least there will be more housing. This hits at the social, socioeconomic disparities in Israel. That housing project touches off Palestinian and American leaders and causes them to be walking in lockstep regarding the construction in East Jerusalem. Both of these issues, then, obscure the potential of a nuclear Iran, who, by the way, was annoyingly silent this week, with the president of Iran probably enjoying popcorn and watching CNN or Al Jazeera, and it seems like the three existential threats that Israel faces might be aligning in a way that is increasingly dangerous. I feel that it has always been necessary to both praise Israel and to be critical of Israel. Some like to accuse anyone who would be critical of as not loving Israel or caring, and nothing could be further from the truth. I believe that unless we care about all of Israel, we're only painting a false picture of what is really there. Personally, I look to a spectrum of Israel, from having been in the Negev and seeing untreated wastewater strew trash through a Bedouin village in the Negev, to the report that came from Haiti in January that Israel, of all the countries in the world, had sent the most modern medical field hospital to help after the earthquake. Good or bad, and everything in between, for me, it is all a part of Israel. I say this now because this is a time unlike any that we have experienced in a generation. We need to be in touch with our government officials and make our support for Israel clear and unambiguous. 
I urge this of you now because of a presentation I once attended led by Miri Eisen, former spokesperson for Prime Minister Omert during the 2006 Lebanese War. She enumerated three existential threats Israel faces. Number one, social inequality. Number two, Palestinian conflict. And number three, Iran. When I see these three align and driving a wedge between the United States and Israel, it's time to get worried. Often Israel has had the luxury, and I use the word very loosely, to face each of these threats separately. When they can join, they become a three-pronged attack that I don't believe Israel has the ability to overcome without help. It is at this time that Israel needs our help and Israel needs our voices. Vayikra, and God called. Vayikra, I ask you to call. Call your representatives. Call the people who represent your government and let them know of your concern and your support for Israel at this time. Shalom.